1: every team, every topic, everywhere this is
0: believe.
2: And welcome to Believe in Celtics brought to you by Bet Online. I'm your host Warren Shaw and alongside me, you know who it is, it's the great Gary Washburn. Gary, what's good family? How are you feeling?
1: Good, good. It was a fun opener in terms of just seeing the NBA back. I know uh, it's just it's always good to see uh, the NBA come back, and it was a exciting night at the Garden. You know, the Bill Russell tribute was very, uh, uh, you know, appropriate. It was wonderful. And, you know, Celtics always seem to do those things, first class. I mean, when you have so many legends, and nowadays, unfortunately, Warren, a lot of them are passing away. I, I think, like, the fat, last five or six years has been – really hard on the organization, losing Russell, Havlicek, Heinsohn, uh, Casey Jones, Sam Jones, like a lot of those. I mean, just believe it or not, you know, six, seven years ago, a lot of those legends were still around and walking, and you could shake their hand or have a conversation with them, and now, you know, a lot of those guys are gone just like that. So uh, it was a good night in terms of the tribute, the game, and I think it's a good kickoff to the season.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's very well said G. Um, Honestly, you know, watching it from my viewpoint and hearing, I think Jalen Brown was one who was mic'd up on the TNT broadcast Mm -hmm. and just saying, you know, like, hey, let's get it for Bill, let's get it for Bill. And that was, you know, really important. And I think I enjoyed into kind of the NBA's overall mantra and spirit of they know what Bill Russell meant and means. To the league itself, too. So I think the ceremony was very well done. Um, let's just dive into that a little bit more before we obviously get into the crux, crux of the show here. Just you know, talk to me a little bit about the ambiance within the arena. You know that feeling, and you know, did did the players really kind of take it as something that yeah, we needed to win this for Bill, so to speak? It just you know to kind of keep that kind of keep his his mantra of winning alive, if you will, and really just try to set the right tone for the beginning of the season.
1: You know what? I think it's really interesting that. Um, you know, people might say, "Okay, you know, Russell." For a lot of these guys, old enough to be there, probably in some cases their great grandfather, right? He's, yeah, he, he was 88 years old. Some of these guys are 25. Like so, their their knowledge of him on those old grainy videos or seeing the number six retired is there. But the thing that differentiates Russell from other aging guys, you know that probably are less out of the spotlight. Russell was around almost until he passed. Like he went to a Celtics game literally last December, um, when they played the Nets. You know, he visited practice at times. He would say hello. Like they got to actually meet him, I don't know about long I think he was more familiar with like the big three of Garnett and Pierce. And he was around more then he was a little bit more nimble in his in his in his um you know, like mid seventies, he was still a pretty active guy. And once he got to his age, obviously, and then COVID happened, and that really, as you know, Warren screwed a lot of things up and slowed a lot of people down. Unfortunately, and a lot of older people, he wasn't able to get around as much with travel. He, he was very cautious about that. But those guys on that team all mostly got to meet him at least, right? Like he was there, he was talking to them, he knew the game, you know. Uh, he was at that you remember that infamous NBA awards where he gave uh, Barkley the finger. the finger you know yeah. like that was, <laughs> that was like three three years ago right so this was not 10 12 years ago this was I think 2019 uh, I think the last one they had and they gave you know so those these guys are all familiar with him and they even you know if they didn't get to like have you know close t- you know long conversations with him they at least got to meet him shake their hand they knew that they shared the history of the Celtics. You know, like this is this is the Celtic here. This is the guy that you know is the reason that you're wearing green. This is this is the this is the man here. So I think that made a little difference. So it made it a little bit more emotional for the players as opposed to a guy who was you know wasn't around but just happened to unfortunately pass away who hadn't been invisible. Russell was a visible guy. I think the celebration was really heartfelt, because I think, you know, he died during the offseason. He died July 31st. It's the first time for a lot of the fans that they were back in the arena and then the the Six logo. um, It looks great on television, by the way, Warren. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're the other side, it looks like it's number nine. It's like a Rajon Rondo tribute or something (laughs) like that, a Derek White tribute. But for TV purposes, it looks great uh, when you see the Six in the middle of the floor. Uh, so I think the people were really, it was really heartfelt, you know, because it was, it, you know, his wife was there. And I think that was a, a big deal too. his wife, his, his widow was there. And I just think people wanted to just honor him or whatever, you know, my personal thing, like my personal experience with Mr. Russell. Um I only interviewed him once. I saw him several times at Celtic games and at the finals, when he's presenting the Bill Russell award, uh, You know, people are like, well, do you have a Bill Russell story? And actually, I do. Uh, I was covering the um, 2010 finals, Mm -hmm. Celtics-Lakers, before game one, you know, uh, media day. And we're at Staples. And uh, so there's Bill Russell. And he's just milling around by himself. And um, I go, Mr. Russell, uh, do you have a minute? And he looks me up and down. And where are you from? I go to Boston Globe and what I didn't know Warren was that I guess, you know, Russell didn't talk to the globe for like 35 years. Like he was not happy with the coverage of the team and the mm. black athletes and understandably maybe in Boston in the 1960s. So he had not been quoted in the globe for 30 plus years. And so he looks me up and down he goes, you got three minutes. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And you know, he, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't waste any time, Warren. I got to got to work and and came out with a story. What does he think of the Lakers and the Celtics and the rivalry? You know, stuff that you would ask Bill Russell or whatever. And I just thought it was a it was a real thrill to talk to him. And I'm glad. I don't know if we. I'm sure he had, might might have had pity for me, but he uh, gave me three minutes. He looked me up and down, saw my credentials, and said, "You got three minutes." And I maybe saw yeah. a, a young reporter of color, black reporter, and said. You know, okay, I'm going to give you a break this time. Mm-hmm. The thing about Russell is, I think that the one thing the Celtics do, and I'm sure other organizations do, is they bring their old players back. You know, they've had reun- countless reunions and dinners where you get to actually know these guys, and the fans still get to know these guys, and he still get to go out on the court and get a standing O. Like Robert Parrish was there last year. Parrish hadn't been to the Garden for what various issues or whatever for a while. He gets a standing O. I think I think that's how you treat your, your your legends. And so I think the Bill Russell celebration was apropos. And it was, you know, the Celtics always do those things first class. So uh I think that was a great way to kick off the season and a great way to start the game.
2: Yeah I definitely agree and I think it translated and 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 you know it hit the marks and Again, it just needed to do what it needed to do. It didn't feel like just something that was antiquated or checking boxes per se. It, it felt right. Um, so I'm glad that I was able to take place and that the ambiance in the, in the in the arena was you know special and very much heartfelt, as you alluded to. So um, great stuff here from the guy, Gary Washburn. So obviously, we got to do our plugs before we get to the crux of the show. Um, as always, make sure you're following us here. On Believe in Celtics, make sure you're following me at Believe Sports on all your social media platforms. Follow my man GWASh at G Washburn Globe or follow me at Shaw Sports NBA. And again, Believe Network or Believe Sports on Twitter. All right, we'll be right back here after this quick break here. You gotta hear from our friends over at Ben Online, and we're we'll back with the Geno Time segment of Believe in Celtics. Football is back and Ben Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all sports wagering info, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE. BetOnline, where the game starts. And on this week's edition of Geno Time, T. Wash here and Warren Shaw. We're going to discuss the first game here. Boston defeats the Philadelphia 76ers in game one, uh, opening opening night for the NBA. Really, th- the first game of the season, so you kind of love to see it and see Team Green get featured in that way. Final score, 126-117 to 117 in a game that was pretty closely contested. Um, Celtics kind of took control of that game in the third quarter, and – some questions and conversations that could be had about this, but you know, big things we want to highlight. Obviously, Tatum and Brown doubling up at 35 points per game each. You know, and that Malcolm Brogdon playing great basketball off the bench. Grant Williams playing great basketball off the bench, um, and we saw Noah Vonleh very early because of some foul trouble as well too. So I'll have to kind of dive into, and we won't get into every single nuance because even by the time we record and do this, they'll be playing another game and there'll be other things to discuss. But. Gary, from your from your viewpoint, just one of the things I want to discuss for sure is they played with pace. Um, and in the preseason, we discussed you know their uh, issues with turnovers. Only ten turnovers in this game. Very much kind of what you had said. Hey, you want to keep that thing in the ten to fifteen-ish range? They were able to mm-hmm. do that. Um, but really, pace. Um, and they outscored the Sixers, who obviously have Joel Embiid. Um, outscored them in the paint and outscored them on fast break points. Just talk to me a little bit about what you saw and what some of the coaches and players said after the game, you know, kind of regarding those three things.
1: Well, Warren, I I, I thought that it was it was an interesting game because, it, you know, Philadelphia kind of, like, Tulsa jumped out to a 9-2 lead, and it looked like, oh, boy, this could be not a blowout because obviously the, the games are an eternity, but you, you saw the good energy there. But then Philadelphia came back, and Harden was Houston Harden. I mean, he was getting to the free throw line, splashing threes. He was he was doing his thing, and you thought, okay, wow, Philadelphia is probably a lot better than people are getting him credit for. And this is going to be a struggle throughout once Embiid gets going. Once Embiid, but two things happen. One, Embiid never really got going. Like Embiid was solid, but he wasn't like 40 and 20 Embiid. You know, you're looking Embiid has had some big old games against the Celtics yeah. over the years. I've watched him just dominate whoever they have against him. And I think. The, the consensus was, well, when he gets going, and then Harden gets going, and then it was kind of typical Philly too there, Warren. Like, Tobias Harris, a guy that I just think has immense skills. I mean, he scores 12 points early, and I think he finished with 14 or 15, 16. Like, you know, he didn't finish up. Like, the Celtics took the first punch, trailing by five in the first quarter, tied it up at halftime, and then third quarter imposed their will. scoring. On their defense, getting picking up the pace, scoring on the breaks, getting Tatum seventeen points in that in that third quarter, and then Jalen Jalen takes over thirteen in the fourth. Like they took turns, and it's just like the star power, the balance. I I felt uh, the defense started kicking in, causing turnovers. I was impressed Warren with their play against Embiid. Embiid, they let him go one on one for a minute. Then here comes the second defender to help to strip them, cause that turnover, make it difficult for them because they didn't trust any of the other Philly shooters besides Harden. The one thing when you don't have that splash, you know, you don't have that Seth Curry or JJ Reddick, like you swing the ball around. It's like, okay, well, who's going to take this shot? So I thought the Celtics just kind of took the first blow, initial blow, came back, imposed their will. And then pulled away and showed who was the better team at this point of the season. Now Philly, I think, is going to be a solid club. You know, when they get all their pieces kind of fitting together, and and I, I don't, I didn't think it was a terrible performance by Philadelphia, but I thought I'd see more from Embiid, Harden, thirty-five points. Looked like okay, he's a he's a, he's a tad bit better than he was last year in Philly, but I thought the Celtics overall, uh, their second half response. Uh, holding on in the fourth quarter like the game got you know they didn't give up a lead they didn't that was important I was like okay they're up 10 in the fourth quarter in the fourth as you know Warren a 10-point lead in in an NBA game is nothing that's two threes and you're suddenly down four so that is a, 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 a a point differential that can be made up very very quickly So if you're the Celtics and you got these jitters from the Warriors last year and and some of these games that happened, are they going to hold on to this lead? Are they going to build on it or are they going to fight to the finish and win by two or have it to where, you know, a last second shot? Like, how are they going to deal with this fourth quarter prosperity? And they dealt with it. They built they built on the lead. I think Philly scored the last six points in like the last. You know, fifty seconds to kind of because I think it was a sixteen point lead or fifteen point lead, and they won by nine. So you, the score is a little deceiving, but I thought the Celtics built on that lead, did what they needed to do, got out there with a win, and and without Robert Williams, and and with you know a, some early foul trouble.
2: Yeah. The foul trouble was the thing that I was concerned about, you know, watching the game early on, obviously fouling three, three pointers. I mean, I think in the first quarter, you know, that was, you know, something that was, again, it's a faux pas, you know, defensively, but really kind of hammered things down moving forward into the game. And it's funny because you look at Joel's numbers, you know, still had 26, 15 rebounds, five assists, shot nine of 18 from the floor, you know, over 50%. So still had in quote unquote, a good game, but Again, when you're looking at it from from Boston's standpoint, you know they did kind of limit him um, and he, he they made him give it up you know at times yeah. as well too. Um, and they're definitely doing a great job, I think stunting at him when necessary, doubling when necessary or playing him one on one at times as well too. And that's kind of where I want to take you know the, the crux of this conversation now as well because right, Boston played well. we saw some great things from Brown and Tatum. but I think where people are probably a little bit concerned is that front court rotation. So we saw Noah Vonley come in early on. Horford got two fouls early, and then Noah comes in. They kind of let Noah out there and said, All right, well, <laughs> be what it may be, you know, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, they
1: had to throw him out there. They didn't have much options. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then Blake Griffin saw some time out there as well, too. You know, the big and Grant Williams obviously doing what he needed to do. Um, but I was really impressed, I think, with their poise and overcoming the what they probably perceived was a difficult whistle early on. Um yeah. Talk to me a little bit more about kind of that front court depth and, you know I mean? Is it just a pride thing now, you know, with the, with these guys where they know that Robert's not going to be back for quite some time here. um, And they just realize, Hey, they're going to have to do this by committee and they're all just kind of willing to step up.
1: Yeah. That's the thing too, Warren. I mean, uh, with Al Horford, you know, you don't want to run him too much into the ground because he's 36 years old. Although he's playing with a lot, still playing with a lot of energy, still in great shape. You don't want to run him out there too long for 38 to 40 minutes. So, Guys like Vonleh and Griffin are going to be important. The thing that I noticed, though, Warren, was like we heard all all season about Luke Cornette. Luke Cornette's going to have a role in this team. Luke Cornette is going to be potentially a starting center or even a backup center. He did not play in game one. Um, now I know he's coming off an ankle injury or whatever. I don't. He didn't play uh, much, if at all, the preseason. Um, but that was a kind of a telltale sign with the lack of bigs that they had. That they didn't throw him out there for eight to 10 minutes to, to, yeah. to get some run. And they just at least commit a foul or two or get a, you know, or, or fill some space to, to give uh, guys a breather because Von I think, finished with five fouls. Blake Griffin was out there. So I think I think the thing to look, develop, and look out for is what happens with Cornette. Does Mozilla trust him? Is he going to be be a guy with a role? Or is it a situation where maybe Mozilla didn't like what he saw in training camp in terms of his fit and said, okay, well, we're going to go to Griffin. We're going to go to Vonley because Vonley fought to make the team. Cornet spot was already kind of guaranteed, right? So I thought it was interesting that Vonley was the first guy he went to. And so we'll see what happens. Maybe the ankle isn't You know, we were told, oh, he's healthy, he's available, but he didn't play. So I think that's an interesting dynamic to look out for, Warren, is what they do with Cornett. And then there was no Peyton Pritchard. We didn't see him. Um, Does that change? You know, and he told us today at practice, hey, well, we're still building these lineups. We're figuring things out and things are fluid. I get all that. It's a a big game. You have foul trouble you developing your rotations. You know, Sam Hauser didn't play that much. You know, we thought we'd see him uh, yeah. for, for good extended periods of time, right? Uh, he was kind of in there at the end of quarters or, or here and there, but he didn't get a lot of run either. So, the looking to look out for over the next couple of weeks is who plays and who doesn't. But I thought last night in the front court kind of worked itself out. Vonleh ended up making some good plays. He Played some good defense, he didn't put up the eye popping numbers, he didn't have 12 rebounds or anything like that. But I thought, hey, fill in, provide resistance at the rim, use your strength. He's strong as an ox, so and I think that's what he did. And obviously, if you're you know, now they got Bam out of buy on Friday, uh, you know. But they're not going to be facing Embiid every night, so this is a challenge. I think that they were relieved that they were able to get through. They only got three more top, three more matchups with Embiid before the playoffs, so I think they understand that every team is not going to uh, unleash a, a seven foot two, two hundred seventy five pound guy who can dominate in in the paint and shoot from the perimeter. I think the Celtics feel like they did pretty good there.
2: Yeah, I think those are great points, and it's a possibility in some ways. We're speculating here that, you know, with that, if Cornette is not 100 percent Embiid is probably not the guy you want to go out here and test your chops against. You know what I mean? You want to maybe ease into that a little bit as well. And obviously Von Le was ready for that challenge. I was just really surprised. He played 20 minutes. He was literally the first guy off the Celtics bench. And not that he's going to be sixth man of the year or anything like that. It's just by virtue of Horford having those those that early foul trouble, you know. Um, but I was still impressed, I think, with what I saw from him kind of in general. You know, Grant Williams, though, um, you know, five for five from the floor, you know, hit three threes as well you know, showing off a little bit of his escapability, <laughs> you know what I mean, on the move. Um, so that is translating into the preseason and even on the telecast. And obviously, you know, you were there live, but a lot of conversations like, yo, Grant Williams is a legit NBA player. He's a legit, mm-hmm. you know, defensive basketball player. He's a legit offensive threat from the three-point line. Um, kind of st- stepping a little bit away from the game per se and going into Grant Williams-specific um, situation. Um you know, how is he taking the fact that he didn't get a deal done you know a lot of other guys out there got got paid and got paid pretty handsomely yeah um, you know yeah. he's a professional um, but you know is he a little salty about this and you know any any kind of bitterness that will you we think we'll see throughout the course of the year
1: yeah it's tough tough Warren because you don't know what the numbers are being bandied about but you know if you look at some of the other numbers DeAndre Hunter got like 20 million and I know Grant's looking at that and saying wait a minute. I, you know, I've done more than DeAndre Hunter in this league. And yeah. I know Brandon Clark from Memphis got about $45 million. You know, people were kind of saying, okay, Grant Grant's ballpark should be, you know, four years, maybe 48 or four years. Now, did Grant ask for four and 70? And the subs were like, no, we'll give you four and 50. Um, but I think this is a prove-it year for Grant Williams. And I think he knows talking to people who know him. He understands. He's betting on himself, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's betting that he can take that major step forward to make this decision hard on the Celtics. Like, hey, you got to bring me back, or you got to pay. And who knows? There'll be teams with with salary If if Grant turns himself into a really, really good player this year, and he's merging, he's improved, right? He had a, a solid rookie year. His second year was kind of bumpy. Last year, he lost a little weight, took a, a real big step forward his fourth year now, if he takes that major step, there are teams that are going to bid on him. You know, they're going to make that offer sheet. There's going to team, be teams of cap space that are going to promise him maybe a bigger role, uh, a chance to start, things like that. So I think the Celtics are kind of rolling the dice here. But I also understand, as you know, Warren, I mean, this is a, a game of money. This is a business game. This is a game of numbers. Like, you got Robert Williams on an extension. You have um, – Jalen coming up in two years, Smart, Derek White, Brogdon, all are, get, all are signed in, for the next couple of years. And then Jason, you know, in a couple of years, Jason can opt out. And the Celtics understand that it's going to take 50-plus million dollars per season to keep that man in green. Like right. they know that, everybody knows that it's going to be the most obvious thing when his contract comes up. He is not going to make – he is not going to take $37 million in his final year. He he will be opting out, okay? So they know they got to get Jalen paid and Jason paid to keep both those guys happy. We'll see what happens with Marcus. We'll see what happens with Derek White and then Brogdon. But I think the Celtics are like, do we want to commit another $12, 13000000 per year for four more for four years for Grant or just take our chances and we might be able in some senses to replace him with a younger player with a cheaper salary. You know, I think that's I think that's finances talking, Warren. And so if I'm the Celtics, you know, you're taking a chance, you're motivating them. If I'm Grant, I think mentally you start making plans and opening your mind up um to maybe playing somewhere else in the near future, because it could come down to that.
2: That's real talk you know and I think what we're seeing from grant I mean obviously it's only one game but I think he's come out focused he's definitely added to his his overall game and we'll see if that can continue throughout the course of the regular season and and obviously hopefully into the playoffs as well um, but I think he is a viable piece um, and I, it's a really interesting situation because you know I'm I'm never to try one, to try to put limit on somebody's you know what they think they're gonna be able to be able to do uh, I think he's in a perfect role right now for 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 Boston and if that role were to have to expand for the Celtics or anybody else, I don't know what level of efficiency he would be, but I'm sure he's confident that he'd be able to do everything that was asked of him, you know, at whatever number and then whatever capacity, but this is an interesting test case, you know, and hopefully Boston is not necessarily playing with fire here, but again, great start for him. Um, despite the contract situation, I really was really impressed with how he opened up the season. Um, we won't go too much longer here, too. I just want to get one more quick thought here. Just, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, you know, 16 points, four for assists off the bench, 7 11 from the floor, even missed a bunny. So you probably should have had, you know, it made 8 of 11 that left handed layup on the drive. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But um, he looked really good. Um, I think the ability to take some pressure, you know, off of Tatum and Brown um, and play alongside with them, be another scoring threat, but even to create at times as well continuing what we saw from the, from the, in the off season, uh, sorry, in the preseason, uh, just what, what do you make of his case potentially? And obviously you're, again, you're there with the team on a regular basis. Does he care about winning an award? Does he want to be six man of the year or is it really just about, yo, know, just trying to get these dubs and play basketball at the highest level?
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously I think he's one of those guys that, Hey, if I'm going to be a six man, I'm, I want to be the best at it. Right. I want to, I want to get that, that, that award now, I don't think that's something it might be a goal but I don't think it's it's something he's you know bucking for right now. I think he mm-hmm. wants to be comfortable in the offense. He wants his role, he wants minutes, which he I think he got. And he wants a chance to score like he had 16 points. It's not like, well, you know, I didn't get my shots off. I didn't get I, you know, he got 3 shots. He got 11 shots as you said. I mean, he he put he made the most of his minutes. He was a good defensive player out there. And he, and the thing that I think is underrated Having seen him over the years, he can get to the rim, and he's got that you know either with either hand that ability to just get to the rim against bigs and just lay it in. You know that's a that's a law start right where where everybody wants to dunk and things like that. Um, You know Marcus doesn't really have that. Marcus kind of backs you in and, and takes a little lefty hook or righty hook or whatever. Marcus is crafty around the rim where Brogdon can dive to the basket with his strength. And maybe a little bit more quickness and then get to the get to the his spot to lay the ball off the backboard before it gets blocked off, you know, before it gets blocked. And I think he got I want to say he had one one of those blocked last night, maybe one um, or whatever. But to me, like I was just thoroughly impressed with how he flows into the game. He's a professional. You You need pros in this league, man. You know, not everybody's a pro. The lot of these got are pro ball players, but none of them are pros in terms terms of what is my job. Let me do that job, and then everything will take care of itself. I'm not the star of the team. There's going to be days that I score 25. There's going to be days I score eight. You know, um, and I and I get I get five shots, but hey, I had a couple of key steals or a rebound, or I I, I played shut down defense in the fourth quarter. So I think that's what Brogdon's about. I think he's about trying to win. I think he understands this situation. I think he just wants to win. So I think he's willing to do whatever it takes. But I do think he'll play good enough on a nightly basis, Warren, to earn his, definitely his share of minutes.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And, uh, you know, on one of my other shows, we were having the conversation because the sixth man of the year award tends, tends to just go to somebody who scores the most coming off the bench. Um, yeah. I think probably is going to do so much more than score, obviously, playing good defense and facilitating. And I'd love to see that be rewarded. You know, what I mean, as opposed to just hey, I'm a bucket getter. I score 18, 20 points per game. You know, even if he's at 12 to 14 a game, but you know, four or five assists off the bench, that's valuable, especially for what he's doing. I think on both ends of the floor, as as you alluded to. Yes, sir, so before, sure. before we close out, you know, again, obviously we've kind of buried the lead, and I feel like in a couple of shows that we've done together, we've we've t- we've touched and hinted around, you know, Tatum and Brown, because we want to highlight the, the majority of the roster,
0: yeah. but.
2: We'd be remiss. They were they were friggin' masterful against <laughs> the Philadelphia. They were just they were so good and, and efficient on both sides. And you talked about a little bit about that earlier. But um is there anything specific you see where you feel like that can that can really be how they function, kind of playing off of each other like that at that level of efficiency? Cause that's the thing that I'm that I'm most I think surprised and impressed by in this first game. Just 14 of 24 for Jalen, 13 of 20, you know, for, for Jason. Um, that's just that's r- ridiculous, ridiculous efficiency in shooting. You know, what kind of led to that? Were they just hot, or do you feel like they were getting just really good looks in the flow of the offense that Mizzou Lev was drawing up?
1: Yeah, I thought it was good looks there, Warren. I thought that both of them showed like, – like Jason, you know, like the, the, the funny part about this is both of them took the preseason a little bit differently. Jalen played like his hair was on fire. Jalen yeah. played pissed. He played like he had a point to prove in the preseason. Jason kind of was chilling. Yeah, like, you didn't see a lot. You didn't see the best of Jay. You saw some flashes in that final game against Toronto. But Jason, you didn't look at Jason and go, "Wow, he's really ready for this season." Look at that. Oh, what is ooh? Like then suddenly in the opener, you know, he's flashing the mid range. He's getting to the rim. He's hitting the three. Like he just looked like he was completely locked in and engaged. Like he said from day one. From game one, I'm taking over this league. And I think that the good thing about it is, obviously, they get along well on the floor. They get along well off the floor. They want each other to succeed. And I think they both know how important each other they are to each other and each other are to them for the success of the team. They know, we can't, I can't do this alone. He can't do this alone. I think that's what uh, I think is important. So if I'm a Celtic fan, I think it's a great sign that both of them got off, especially Jalen, you know, Jason, I think, you know, he's going to drop the ball, put the ball on hoop. Jalen, you want him to be comfortable too and have his time where he can take over the game too. And one of them took over the third quarter and then Jalen finishes off in the fourth quarter and both of them finished with 35. I mean, that's a, I mean, if you, you couldn't draw it up any better. If you're going to have 70 points between your two stars, Thirty-five and thirty-five is how you want it, because you don't know who to guard now, right? Who do you focus on? You you put everything on Jalen. Well, okay, uh, he might burn you. You put everything on Jason. You know he's going to get his too. So I think it was a great sign uh, that both of them went off in the opening game. You know, con- you know, division rival against you know obviously a team that's seen them a lot. This is not a team that's bad. This isn't you know this is a team that that knows them and for them to be able to just handle things, handle their business. I think that's a great sign for the Celtic faithful.
2: Absolutely. 100% agree. So hopefully we'll see great things for out, throughout for Jason and Jalen throughout the course of the season, Grant Williams continuing his hot shooting, Noel Vonley coming off the bench and giving them great minutes in that, in that front court, maybe intertwining Blake a little bit. And we'll also see if we can get Luke Cornett on the floor here, right. you know, post that ankle injury. So, um, Great first game for the Boston Celtics. Gary, as always, your coverage is, you know, A-plus, you know, number one. Um, Nobody better out there doing it, you know, when it comes to the Boston Celtics. And, you know, that's going to do it here for our first in-season, regular season edition of Believe in Celtics. We'll definitely be back next week conversating on – the Miami game, the Orlando game, Chicago, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Everything that's going to happen in between there as well and seeing if they can continue this great start. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Believe in Celtics brought to you by Bed Online. He is Gary Washburn. Make sure you're following him again at G Washburn Globe. Follow me at Shaw Sports NBA. And that'll do it. We'll catch you all next week. Believe in Celtics. Peace.